I've been thinking about someone that must have encountered many, many circumstances through which God was trying to get his attention. God was trying to wake him up. God was trying to turn him around. And apparently, he wasn't listening. He wasn't getting the message, just like Jacob. But then something happened, and he later wrote, he said, While so engaged, as I was journeying to Damascus with authority and commission of the chief priests, at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining all around me and around those who were journeying with me. And when we had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But get up and stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you. What's the purpose? To save his soul? Absolutely. But was that the main purpose? To help him stop doing the bad thing? Was that the main purpose? No, there was a purpose that was many, many, many millions of times bigger than Paul that stretched 2,000 years into the future and beyond that would speak to the lives of billions and is still speaking to us today. It's the same purpose that drove Jesus when he said, What shall I say, Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose I came into the world. Father, glorify your name. So he said, But get up and stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you, to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you. He encounters God, and God says, you're encountering me so that you can become a witness. You can stand and tell others what God did and how real God was in saving you from yourself. And it's not just going to be a witness to this one encounter, but I am going to be, I'm going to be appearing to you through many things. So be looking, Saul, because you're going to have to bear witness to my appearing now and in all the things that will happen. I have appeared to you to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you, rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. So God already sees that Paul is going to be going through some things. That he is going to become the object of hatred. He's going to be captured, arrested, 
But God already has a rescue in mind. And he says, that also is going to be for a witness. To open, and the purpose is to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. So, King Agrippa, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision, but I kept declaring both to those of Damascus first and also at Jerusalem and then throughout all the region of Judah and even to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. Amen? Amen. So what got me was that the Lord said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then he says, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. And my Bible has a little note here and it says, an idiom that refer, an idiom referring to an animal's futile resistance to being prodded with a goad. And a goad is just a long stick, like a cattle prod, that was sharpened on the end. Sharpened to a point. So that if you, if you poked at the animal and the animal kicked back against that point, it would stab him. And it would hurt. It would draw blood. Amen. So God is saying to Saul, you're kicking against the goats. So what does that tell us? Is this the first time that Saul has ever spoken to Jesus? Maybe that's a little bit of a trick question. Jesus begins his conversation. The first thing he says to him is he says, it's hard for you to kick against the goats. Now what does that indicate? That indicates that God had been sending circumstances into Saul's life that were trying to propel him toward a certain direction. So the very first thing he says is, why do you keep fighting me, Saul? It's hard for you. The goads are not hurting. But your shins, they're hurting. Amen? Paul would later tell us, that he had heard Jesus. He had seen Jesus in the flesh while Jesus was here. He said, there was a time when we knew even Christ after the flesh. But henceforth, we know no man after the flesh. The Apostle Paul, what he still called Saul here, but Saul would have probably heard Jesus preach in synagogues or in the temple. He may have seen miracles done. Amen? This man was encountering God repeatedly and God's first word to him when he encounters it, when he knocks him off his horse, so to speak, is he says, why are you kicking against the goats? Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Now, somebody may say, well, God has goads and He's going to force us to do His will. His will is inexorable. Amen? Is that true? Is God going to force us to do His bidding? No. But see, we live in a world where, that is under the curse. A world that's fallen. 
a world where there's suffering, where there's sickness, where everybody dies. God wanted to reign in this world through a voluntary relationship with us. And yet we took that free will and we voluntarily submitted to someone else, didn't we? Amen? The heavens, the heavens, these are the Lord's, but the earth He has given to the children of men. He put all things under man's dominion. Gave Him to be the ruler over the works of His hands. Amen? And we said, thank you, God. And we turned to the devil and said, how can we obey best? Do you understand? And so then, in through the, the conduit of our free will into the world pours sickness and suffering and death. And then when somebody dies and something tragic happens, what do we do? We turn to God and say, why did you do that, God? And God says, I didn't do that. That's the fallen world that you created for yourself. And you're going to die. You can't escape that. Amen? But I would like to redeem you in the inner man. So that even while you're on this earth and you're suffering in this fallen body, in this fallen world, inside I would like to renew you so that outwardly you're fading away, but inwardly you can be renewed day by day. Amen? And I can help you. I can intervene on your behalf because there are still a host of angels and a creation that longs to submit to God, that is groaning and travailing, waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. Amen? And so, it's possible that even in this world where the enemy, the, the evil one, is the ruler and the God, it's possible that through God's providence, that is through the laws of nature, through His angels, that God can still allow circumstances to come at us in such a way as to goad us toward His will, toward His purpose. Amen? God is not personally bringing the affliction, but He can use the affliction for His purpose. Amen? Did God throw poor Joseph in a muddy pit? No, His brothers threw him in a muddy pit. Did God sell poor Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 30 pieces of silver? No, his brothers did that. Did God lie about Joseph in Potiphar's house? Did God forget about Joseph in the prison? No, people did that. People who, are, who have submitted themselves to the wrong God. Amen? And that wasn't God's fault. But God, out of all that chaos, impossibility, God said, what they intended for evil, I can do what? I can turn for good. That's what Joseph said to his brothers. God says to Joseph, if you'll just write in the, in, the, in the little condition of hell in which you find yourself, if you'll just stay faithful to me, if you'll just obey me, if you'll just trust me, amen, all things can work together for the good, for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Amen? Now, you can make it your black hole. You can make it your dead end. Amen. You can make all the bad things in your life dead end in self. And when that happens, they're meaningless. They've lost their purpose. They're just a big waste. And life is a waste. Amen. But God can redeem all of that waste and make it work together for the good if you'll trust Him. And you'll trust His leading. And you'll trust His love for you. Amen. So that's what God is saying to Paul, to Saul on the road to Damascus. He's saying, I've been trying to bring you to a place of repentance. Amen? 
So circumstances have been coming that have been pricking you. Maybe you were first goaded with the slightest prick when you heard me speak in the temple. And then maybe you were goaded a little stronger when you knew they were about to crucify the only innocent man that had ever lived and you said nothing. Maybe you were goaded a little stronger. Remember when Stephen knelt in the ring of so many Pharisees and he prophesied to them and he finished his whole prophecy, his whole retelling of of what they had gone through. He finished the whole thing by saying, you always resist the Holy Spirit, the goading of God. Amen? You remember that? Well, who was standing there resisting the Holy Spirit with those Pharisees, huh? He was holding, he had his, both his arms out there holding their garments so that they could pick up stones and, and kill Stephen. Amen. Amen. Do you think God was goading him? you think God was allowing his spirit to be pricked? It's interesting that what they said when Stephen spoke that to them, what did they say? It said, and they were pricked in the heart and they gnashed their teeth and picked up stones to stone him. It's exactly the same word just five chapters earlier as when Peter spoke much the same to those who asked, what must we do? You remember? It says they were pricked to the heart and they said, men and brethren, what must we do? And he told them to repent. Amen. So pricks come. Circumstances poke us. And they may be circumstances that are harsh, that are painful. Maybe they're even sent, maybe they're even hurting us at the hand of the evil one. Amen. But God would use those circumstances to get our attention, to wake us up, to guide us in a different path. Amen. But if we keep living our life kicking against the goats, kick, kick, kick. Eventually, we just might impale ourselves. We just might die impaled on the things that could have been the goads that brought us to repentance. Amen? Now, what does it say in 2 Peter 3.9? It says, Do not consider the long-suffering of God as slackness, as if God doesn't have a plan. Amen? Amen? But he says, God is long-suffering towards you because He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen. When Saul first heard Jesus, and he hardened his heart and said, no, I'm not going to obey that. If he had died right then, he wouldn't have been saved, would he have? Hmm? He was unrepented. He would not have been saved. If later... He had said nothing. If he had died when he was holding the garments of those who stoned Stephen, he wouldn't have been saved. Prick, prick, prick. Circumstances are escalating. God is trying to get my attention. It's not God in his personal intervention, but it's the the providence of God, the angels of God. Amen? God is even taking bad things and using them for good. Prick, prick, prick. Amen. If he had died, would he have made it when he was holding the garments of those who stoned Stephen? Amen. 
judgment, the justice of God, would have been for him to die right then and go to hell. That would have been justice. But God was long-suffering. He kept bringing the pricks. Amen. Amen. Why? Why is God long-suffering? I just said it. Why is God long-suffering? Do not consider the long-suffering of our God as slackness. Don't think that God doesn't care about your sin because it doesn't prick you anymore. Amen. Amen. Your heart may have just become calloused. It may have just been hardened like Pharaoh's. How was Pharaoh's heart hardened? By hearing the word of God that told him what to do and just simply resisting it in his rebellious, unrepented heart. Amen? So to encounter the prince and not change is to develop a callus. Amen. And yet that callus gets thick enough and you become what Paul said to the Ephesians. You become past feeling. The things that once pricked you, the things that once made you afraid, now they don't do it anymore. And you thought God didn't care anymore. You thought that you, could, you had gotten away with it. But he said, don't consider the long-suffering of God as slackness. Because if God keeps pricking you and he doesn't bring judgment immediately, it is simply because he believes that you might still come to repentance. Amen. And he says it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. You're living going against the grain of God's purpose in your life. Everything is against you. Amen. Nothing goes right. You go somewhere and you start hurting people. You join up with someone and their life starts unspiraling. You get on a boat and it starts sinking. God is trying to turn you around. Prick, prick, prick. Don't get past feeling. Don't say in your heart, God doesn't care anymore. Don't say in your heart, all things will continue just as they have from the beginning. Amen. We deserve the judgment of God. We deserve, Paul said it later, he said, those who are rebellious to parents, those who, those who go after idols, Amen. Those who are unloving, he finishes this whole list. He says they are deserving of death. Amen. Amen. He knew the feeling, didn't he? Amen. But there came a day when he said, God, I'm not going to live this hard life anymore. I'm going to come unto you. I'm going to take your yoke upon you, me. I'm going to learn from you, for your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Amen. I'm ready, God. I'm ready to surrender my stubborn, entrenched will. And only when you surrender that stubborn, entrenched will have you come to repentance. Amen. If that stubborn, entrenched will is still alive inside of you, amen, you're not repented. After you're repented, you're still going to have temptation. You're still going to have weakness. You're still going to actually make mistakes. You're still going to fall from time to time. Amen? But you're not going to have that stubborn, unrepented heart 
that stores up wrath in the day of wrath and the righteous judgment of God on those who disobey, according to Romans 2. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And that was the purpose. That was the purpose of the bricks. It was to bring him to a brokenness of will. It was to bring him to a place where he said, okay, God, my course for my life is done. I want your course. My plans are over. I want your plans. I am not running this show anymore. I am taking the back seat. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Some of us think repentance is feeling remorse, like my dad ministered last Sunday. There are two kinds of sorrows he shared with us. A sorrow that leads to death and a sorrow that leads to repentance. And we know that repentance results in life. Amen? According to Acts 11. Amen? And some of us think that remorse is repentance. But remorse is not repentance. King Saul had remorse. You think about it. He was rejected by God and he became a murderous, competitive monster of a man. He threw spears at people. He murdered all the priests who gave David some bread. Do you remember? Amen. And yet, time after time after time, when he would encounter David face to face, he would have this remorse come over him. And he would say, oh, David, I have sinned. You are right and I am wrong. Come home to me, David. He had remorse, but he did not have repentance. He had the, the ungodly sorrow that did not lead to repentance, but that led to death. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Judas had the repentance of the world, the sorrow of the world. Amen? He had remorse. He went and hanged himself. Amen. But when you don't when you have remorse, when you know God is speaking to you and you acknowledge the truth of it and you hate yourself for what you've done, but you don't bring a change in your life that is, that is based on the breaking of your will to do God's will, you're not repented. Amen. And God's long-suffering, but the whole purpose that He is not, the whole purpose of His delaying judgment is to bring you to repentance. So it's not remorse. It's not suppression of sin. Amen? We can do that too. We can suppress our attitudes. We can say that we're a godly husband or a godly wife. Amen? Because we suppress, we smother what really is boiling inside of us. But we are deceiving ourselves. There is a foul spring and it brings forth poisoned water, Jesus said. You cannot take good water from a poisoned well. Amen. And you cannot take poisoned water from a good well. You cannot take good fruit from a bad tree and you cannot take bad fruit from a good tree. Either make the tree good and its fruit also, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad also. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So repentance is breaking our will. It's not clenching our jaw and saying, okay, God, I know i got to do this. That's not repentance. It's not pushing through in the flesh. Repentance is saying, oh, God, 
I have been headed in one direction all of my life. I have been headed my way. Amen? All the good things I've done, I've done them my way. All the bad things I've done, I've done them my way. I have been headed my way. But now, God, I have come to a terrifying revelation of the end of my way, the end of myself. Oh, that they would see their latter end. Amen? I have seen it I, in a flash, brighter than the sun. I have seen something. I have seen the truth of where this is going to end, of what is going to happen to those I claim to love, of what is going to happen to my own soul. And I am no longer trying to get God's help to do what I'm doing. Amen? I am turning around, and I am going the opposite direction. I am disobeying my will, and I'm saying, God, all I want is for you to take over my life. I want you to will, work in me to will and do your good pleasure. That's all I want. As soon as I start to feel my will creeping back up inside of me, I know that I'm, I'm going back into that unrepentant state. Amen where the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So God, make me obedient, Jesus. I surrender my feelings to You. I surrender my thoughts to You. I surrender my energy. I surrender everything. My past, my future, I surrender it to You. Amen. And I don't just turn there. Amen. But I turn around, I repent, and then I run after God with all my heart. I pursue righteousness. Amen. I pursue sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. Amen. I chase after God. Amen. There's a zeal inside of me. God, I know where I was going. I know. I saw death. I looked it in the face. Amen. And so now I'm zealous and I repent. Isn't that what he told him in Revelations? Not be self-pitiful and repent. Not whine and repent. Not pout and repent. He said be zealous and repent. Be zealous. Be full of zeal for what God is offering you over and above that death that you've been pursuing all your life. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 And the goads get harder. The goading gets sharper. Will this do it? Will that do it? I remember I was sitting in my parents' house in their schoolroom. I believe it was January 1st, 2005. And it was New Year's Eve night. And my mom got a call. And I saw the look on her face and her short questions that she was asking. And I knew something horrible had happened. And you know what had happened. In one split second, one backslider had broken his back. Another had broken both of his legs. Another was on her way to prison. And the fourth was dead. In one split second. And oh, upheaval and turmoil, the emotions, the drama of it all. It was just, oh God. I remember my dad saying, he said, these things are heavy. They're very sad. And he said, you hope, you hope that they're going to come to repentance. 
But he said, this alone, the tragedy alone, does not bring people to repentance. What he was saying is, it could still be a waste for them. It could all still be for nothing. Only when they turn to God and they say, God, would you pick up the broken fragments, the shattered shards of my life? Amen. I'm falling on the rock and I'm broken. Would you, would you make something beautiful? Would you make something glorious? Is that even possible, God? Amen. Only when someone has that attitude do those horrible dealings, do they make the difference. Amen. And of those, of those four young people, three of which were still alive, all three of them made efforts to come back to God. And none of them are living for God today. Amen. None of them are living for God today. Amen. Why? Because God had brought them through a sequence of pricks. And then they got to that one. And they calloused their heart. They hardened their heart. And what does it say in Genesis 6? My spirit will not always strive with man. Amen. Jesus looked over Jerusalem and he said, I wanted to gather you together. That was the will of God. He said, how often I would have gathered you together. But you didn't know what made for your peace. Amen. Why couldn't he gather them together? He said, you were not willing. It's our will. Our will is the conduit through which sin and the curse came into the world. But our will and our choice is the conduit through which the kingdom of God can take over our life and begin to spread to so many others. Just a decision. Are you willing? Amen. It's not going to be a force of your will. It's going to be the breaking of your will. Amen. Complete surrender. Complete brokenness. The Bible says it, the way of the transgressor is hard. The English word transgressor means to cross a boundary. Amen. Those boundaries are there to keep us in the narrow way that leads to life. Amen. But then we, we cross out of that way. We cross the boundary. We are a transgressor. Amen. We cross the boundary. And suddenly... We're flying across a plane, and then in a flash we see the edge of, the, of, of an abyss, the edge of the Grand Canyon. Amen. And the momentum is such that even though our heart is pounding and we're afraid, we know this is not right, we can't stop because we have given ourselves over to powers that are beyond the mere flesh to control. And the only way to stop it is to give yourself to a power that is greater than those powers that have taken over you. Amen? Greater is he, and I'll say, that can be in you than he that is in the world. Sin will take you further than you want to go. It'll have its own momentum. Amen? It starts going and going and going and going. 
until you feel like it's impossible. And it is impossible. Isn't that what Jesus told them? When they said, Lord, who can be saved? He didn't say, oh, it's not such a big deal. Just don't be so riled up about it. That isn't what he said, is it? With total seriousness, when they said, who can be saved, God? He said, it's impossible. With man, it, that is salvation, is impossible. Amen. That's why God would send forth his spirit into our hearts. Amen. That's how we're with God. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. But you can have the Holy Spirit, and then you can choke it right out. You can lose the Holy Spirit if you don't break your will to do God's will. All of your judgments, all of your criticisms, all of your self-pity, all of your accusations against God and against God's people, what are they proof of? They're proof that your will is not broken, that you are not repented. The person who is repented is the person who has seen the end of themselves, which is hell. And they don't have the capacity to judge people anymore. They don't have the capacity to criticize or see through everybody. Amen. They are coming back from the flames of hell and they're saying, God, if you'll take me, I'll do whatever. going against the bricks anymore. They're saying, God, make my thoughts your thoughts. Make my feelings your feelings. Make my wants your wants. Make my dreams your dreams. Make my love your love. Give me your energy. Give me your strength. Apart from you, I can do nothing. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Apart from God, it is impossible. But God, come close to me. Be more than close. Come inside of me. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to love you, God. I don't even know how to love you. Amen. But the beginning of my relationship is the fear of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Don't let your heart become dull. Isn't that what Jesus said? The heart of this people has grown dull so that hearing they don't hear, that's somebody who the pricks, they no longer are felt. The heart of this people has become calloused, Paul said in two places. Amen. Don't let your heart become past feeling. Amen. Don't become so insulated in your own judgments that you can no longer feel when God would trouble your spirit, when God would remind you deep inside of where you're really headed. Amen. Even as a child, I'm so thankful for the fear of God that we were taught, for the reality of God. Even as a child, when you could get away from the eyes of people. You couldn't get away from the eyes of God. I remember laying on my bed and knowing deep in my heart, God, I am not pleasing you. And I knew in my heart that this road ended in death, even as a little child. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Don't get past those feelings. Don't grow out of them. Amen. They're your only salvation. you got to see it for what it is. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So God, through the providence of God, we're being pricked. But through the love of God, we're being beckoned. We're being called. Providence is pricking, but God is knocking. He will not knock down the door. He will only knock at the door. And he just wants to know, are you sick and tired of yourself? Have you seen the end of yourself? Amen. Enough to stop trusting yourself and start trusting God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Anybody feel their heart being pricked in this place tonight? You don't need to wait. Amen. You need to start seeking God right now. You need to start praying. Right now, start asking Him, God, would you please help me? God, would you please save me? Would you please give me faith? I need faith, God, not in my abilities, but I need faith in you, in your love, in your truth, God, in your power. Just start calling on his name. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's your first step of repentance to call, to lift your voice, to say, Jesus, help me tonight. Help me, God. Help me, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I don't want this hard life anymore. I don't want this hard life anymore. Why don't you stand to your feet if God is speaking to you? Amen. Why don't you lift your hands and call on his name? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Seek him with all your heart. I renounce my autonomy. It is an illusion. I renounce my pitiful claims to rights. They are a lie. I renounce my ego and all its vanity. I renounce my lust in Jesus' name. I renounce these things. God, I need your Holy Spirit to come inside of me. God, I need you to help me stop this momentum right now. God.